you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. The Around the NFL podcast knows there are 32 teams in the NFL. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is not Dan Hansis. I'm Colleen Wolf, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, gang? <laughs> hey, Colleen. <laughs> How's it going? That was great. That was seamless. It was like, who needs Dan with that kind of intro? Well, Dan is in the Dominican Republic and feels just a tremor in the force right now, I think. <laughs> Dan is on a beach somewhere with a white linen shirt and Ooh. his uh, <laughs> wire-rimmed sunglasses and a daiquiri in hand. And he has um, left me with very simple but specific instructions. Oh, really? And what was that? To mention him as much as possible? Don't shine too bright. <laughs> That's, uh, don't shine too bright and just get by, basically. So Ooh. I think that I can pretty much nail that part of it. I think so. Yeah, so um, we have a huge show today. We're going to be going through all the wild card games, some previews, and of course we have a lot of news to cover too, which uh, some really surprising news that came down last night, of course. But before we get to that, let's check in behind the glass. Sydney, what's going on? I'm feeling the girl power today. I'm loving it. Wow. Yeah, this is great. <laughs> I don't we're like, like We're almost What do you mean one. you don't like this, <laughs> what's Wes? This girl power stuff? There's, there's actually two girls here, which is crazy. We're like breaking all sorts of barriers. I know. It's not going well for Dan out of the Last gate here. Just shattered. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's get right to it. Let's do some news. This better be a flamethrower <laughs> that ends broadcast radio. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The Buccaneers have fired head coach Lovey Smith after just two seasons. That prompted an outpouring of player tweets and everything else. A couple from Levante David who tweeted, WTF, yo, this is stupid. We can't even get a consistent coach. Three coaches in five years. He later deleted everything completely. But what a move this was. What's going on with this, Wes? 
You know, I was shocked by this. At a month ago when I was writing Coach of the Year candidates, I got all kinds of tweets from Bucks fans telling me Lovey Smith should be considered. They were 6-6 six and six in the wild card hunt. Then they go out and lose four straight games with the season on the line, a playoff berth on the line. And I think it's just two factors. One, Dirk Cutter, their offensive coordinator who developed Jameis Winston, was drawing interest from other teams. They don't want to lose him. And Lovey Smith's defense – his past defense has, in two years there is the worst two years in franchise history. It never got any better, and that's supposed to be his specialty. So are you thinking that this would be a promotion for Dirk, or if they bring in a new head coach, wouldn't the new head coach bring in new coordinators? So what I don't understand as far as Dirk Cutter and Jameis Winston goes. Well, it sounds like Cutter is the favorite. Immediately after this came up, Mark Dominic, who works for ESPN now but was the former general manager in Tampa, said expect – Dirk Cutter to be hired within a week that they'll they'll have to do some inter- other interviews they'll have to satisfy the Rooney rule but the idea is that Cutter is the favorite to get this job so you would have continuity then on offense in theory other people say you never know with the Glazers they kind of like the big name they're a little unpredictable they seem to at some points, you know, the Bucks are like the 15th most valuable thing that they own right now. And so they're a little bit of a wild card. I was having flashbacks last night um, to six years ago when I worked at Pro Football Talk. And I remember they fired Jay Gruden or John Gruden, rather. I, I Someone's going to tell me I'm wrong, but it, it felt like a week and a half after the season. Maybe it was only four days after the season, but it was similar to this, that it kind of came out of nowhere. They, like, arrived back from Europe or something. They're like, oh, yeah, by the way, John Gruden's fired. And it surprised everyone, and they ended up hiring a guy from within, Raheem Morris, just like they would be hiring from a guy with, with within Dirk Cutter. But other reporters are out there right now saying, you know, watch out. Maybe they're going to look for some, like, big name type of guy who knows like a Nick Saban I don't know this is a great job I think it might be the best job right now because there's a lot of talent on this team yeah I mean I remember growing up watching football how many times was the name Bill Parcells linked to the Bucks? I mean they always have looked for that type of coach and Gruden at one point was you know they they went for that I look at I look at also it was something that Connor Orr wrote this morning where he said that it used to be when you find that franchise quarterback it anchors that coaching staff you're safe but it's the opposite now because if you lose that coordinator who really was probably the most special thing they had, that offense, the running game especially, and the way they set it up for, for Winston was really effective the entire season. That if you're going to lose the offensive coordinator, that's losing the best part of what that team was. And Lovey Smith wasn't bringing what it is he's about. His defense is cover two defense. Goodbye. Time to get a whole revamp on the scheme. Yeah, there was some talk the players didn't really like the defense. It's a little outdated. It certainly wasn't doing well. And one of the reasons I think it's the best job going is you take a shot with a franchise young quarterback. You know, if you think Jameis Winston has a chance to be a top 10 quarterback for a long time, you're just getting him at the beginning. You have Mike Evans. You have a couple of young offensive linemen you just took uh, early in the draft that it played pretty well, I would say, overall on the offensive line. You have Gerald McCoy, one of the best players at his position. You have uh, Levante David, one of the best players at his position. I mean, that's that's a lot more than a lot of teams have 
But the thing is, they've never even come close to replacing Michael Bennett. Once they got rid of Revis, their secondary has been a mess. And Lovey was supposed to come in, and he sort of cleaned house and was, I guess, bringing in his guys, but it didn't even matter. So now they're definitely going to have to. His guys are the problem. Coach, yeah. He brought in a bunch of guys who are terrible for his secondary. And look, that's great. They were terrible with the Bears. Now they're terrible with the Bucks. That's that came back to haunt. Or a guy like Alteron Werner, who was pretty good for the Titans and went to Tampa and just didn't seem to fit anymore in that system. Uh, you you look at the Bucks though. This is going to be their f- fifth head coach in nine seasons. So Lovey got two years. Greg Schiano, whose teams played much better than Lovey Smith, especially on defense, only got two years. Raheem Morris was a disaster, even though he. He had a one winning season. He only lasted three years. So, I mean, it's kind of like the Browns. This is why bad teams stay bad. I mean, they change they change coaches every two years. Well, it's the Browns with a franchise quarterback. Yep. So it's mu- that's why I'd say it's much more attractive with some pieces on both sides of the ball. But I wonder if a coach has to wonder about the ownership. I mean, someone, unless you're Dirk Cutter, who's going to potentially take the job, are you feeling like you, you're with an ownership group that really values you and is going to stick with you the same way the Giants would? I look at the Giants as maybe the top job if you can handle the pressure because they're going to stick with you for a long time. Well, yeah, I, I agree. The Giants' job is way better than the Bucks' job. I don't, I don't agree with Greg at all. I, I always think you, think you take a chance with a young quarterback. Eli Manning's 35 years old. Maybe you're getting a couple good years out of him. But you're already Wait. putting Winston in the all-pro. Cat. I mean, no, you, I'm just taking a chance. If it's a one-in-two chance that he's a top-ten quarterback, it's worth taking that chance, I think. All right, well, let's move on to another team with a bad defense. And the New Orleans Saints, there were all sorts of reports that they were seeking the second-round pick for Sean Payton. Well, NFL Media Insider Ian Rappaport reported Wednesday that Payton will remain with the New Orleans Saints in 2016. So, Greg, is this a last-ditch effort to shake the team into performing well next year? I don't know if that that was the motivation. I think a job just didn't come (laughs) open. Yeah. I mean – Saints fans were coming at me and Rappaport and Connor for some reason. I don't understand that. I don't even remember him <laughs> saying anything yesterday. Say, oh, you guys are wrong. You know, Sean Payton, you know, he was never looking around. You know, you guys, you just made up these reports that he was looking around. We've been hearing them for weeks. Sean Jeez. Payton literally in the press conference listened to him said Mickey Loomis went out there and tried to gauge the market. And he, he the way he put it was Mickey Loomis is too smart for that. It would have cost too much. But what we were reporting was it was only a second-round pick, and that was the starting point for negotiations. So I think there was an opportunity if a team had wanted to really jump up and grab Peyton, they could have maybe done that. Or if Peyton had seen an opportunity that he really wanted, he could have pushed it. And you know what? just didn't happen. The Colts' job didn't come open. The Chargers' job didn't come open. Maybe there were no other fits. He didn't want to take the chance of, and maybe I, maybe I can go to New York. Who knows? This is all speculation. What I think really happened is Mickey Loomis, Sean Payton gets in a room. Mickey Loomis decides the, the way I can keep my job and the best chance to win is just to keep Sean Payton. And I wouldn't be surprised if we hear Sean Payton gets more money and another contract extension in the next couple of weeks. He has two years left on his deal. I wouldn't be surprised if we hear he gets another year or two tacked on. Everyone's happy. Everyone makes more money. It's all about money. It doesn't say a lot to me that 
no one is willing to shop a second round pick for Sean Payton. I mean, I think he should st- he should realize it's time to stop using your agent to float. Hey, look at me! I could be available left and right. This you guy might is be able such to have a diva. Me. Absolutely. The, like, no it doesn't one mean you're you. a bad coach, though. He learned from Bill Parcells. Who did this more than Bill Parcells? Who was like you said? Who was going to get hired by the Bucks every other year? Right. Bill Parcells. He always did this with his agent. It's leverage. What do coaches get paid? Like as as much as the best guards in the league. He gets eight and a half million. Yeah, paid. I mean nobody. Marshall Falk went for a second round pick when he got traded from the from the Colts to the Rams. A second round pick is a lot to give up for a coach who hasn't been good in a few years. Well, it's not a lot though. If you, I, I think a second round pick for a coach, if you really think Sean Payton is all that, it's it's much less than what people had to trade for Bill Belichick and Gruden and other coaches. The the cost has gone down. Saints fans should enjoy this. They were on uh, Wednesday when this happened. Hey, look, look, he got them a Super Bowl. He's delivered offense. He's the best coach in team history by leaps and bounds. So they should be enjoying this. But I was watching it, and I just kept thinking because all the, all the tweets about it was like, this is Sean Payton writing a love letter to New Orleans, like the city of New oh, Orleans. I saw that too. Because he was talking about you know, all the fun. great things about New Orleans. New Orleans is, by the way, my favorite city in the entire world. I – I like feel like I'm missing out on the life I should be living. Greg right now has keys in his hands, which is in New Orleans. There. I want to get in my car and just go there. So I I share that love of New Orleans. But all I was thinking was it doesn't take much uh, to win back the reporters and the fans and stuff. You say a couple. You've I written think. a love letter to New Orleans on the spot. Exactly. That's true. They still will hate me. Now they've gone seven and nine three of their last four years. Will they be able to turn around the team just in one season? Just that defense, though, as far as what you I, saw this year. I don't think so. If you look at football outsiders metrics, the difference between the Saints and the other 31 teams in the league was a huge gaping chasm. The Saints, the 31st team was closer to the rest of the league than the Saints. I mean, it was just they were that bad on defense. I don't see them fixing it. To the Saints' credit, though, I do think their best chance to win another Super Bowl or win a couple playoff games is with Sean Payton and Drew Brees and that they're better off doing this. So if Mickey Loomis, whatever he did to just keep it the same, you might as well just keep trying to win with Payton and Brees because it's only going to be a year or two more, and you never know. They could have a season like Rob Ryan had with that defense a couple years ago when they were actually pretty good out of nowhere. It happens with defenses. That's their best chance is to just keep this going. Why? How about Mickey Loomis stops – using half his attention on the Pelicans. Why did they even name a team that to begin with? And why are you spending half your time on an NBA why team? Why does everyone hate Pelicans? All right. Lane's mascot. I don't hate the animal, but the idea that an NBA it's not a it's not a very, you know, it's it's not really an impressive NBA name. Tulane's mascot, uh my alma mater, uh everything goes back to Tulane. Switched it to the Pelicans a few years ago. It used to just be a guy in a gumby suit. It was running a green around. wave, wasn't it? Well it is the green wave, but they have a mascot running around that is a pelican because you can't really be a wave. and mm. That school is off the tracks. All right, My last so. thought on this real quick, <laughs> I look at this from the 49ers' point of view. You had the Colts and the Saints where they were able to mend fences, repair every problem, and say, hey, we have a good thing going. Let's, let's do this again, whereas the 49ers are just like, yeah, you know what? We'll get rid of our great coach just because it can't work out. Yeah, I think it was a good move. And you said 49ers, you think, is the worst landing spot for a yeah, coach. because of worst the ownership and the expectations and the pressure, yeah. All right, so Sean Payton, he is staying in New Orleans. But what about Calvin Johnson? What is his future? Will he be staying in the NFL? Reports that he is considering retirement. He came out and said that this was something that he's sort of mulling over. So has Detroit really drove him that far at this point, Mark? You know, I it's January seventh. 
it's possible, but I, I don't put too much into some of these exit interview player scenarios where they're frustrated after the year. They're hearing that they may be shopped or they, they want to take a major pay cut, and that makes them upset. So they up the ante and say, I'm out of here. I may be done with football together. I mean, how many – Steve Smith can't retire. I don't think Calvin Johnson, if if for some reason he parted ways with the Lions or they, you know he got out of that situation, there's too much money. He's worth too much to walk away, and he's going to have to really, really mean that, not now, but when he gets that itch back in April and May to really play again. I think it's a good point. He, I think he means every word he's saying right now. Right now. And that he is living in the moment. He's been beat up for three years. He's been, He's hearing that he's past his prime. He's hearing that he could be a cap casualty. Or they'll ask him to pay, take a pay cut. He probably feels a little unappreciated by the, by basically analysts and ownership. So yeah, I, I think that you're in that situation. You probably question is is this a good time to walk away? And I agree with you. That's a lot different than come May when OTAs start. Is he going to be out on the field? Well, but I don't think money is that big of an issue for once. I agree because. I, I trust Nate Burleson, who was a former teammate of his and had some good comments on Total Access. And he says if, if if Calvin Johnson is saying this, he would never say this just to say it, that money is definitely not going to be a factor for him because he's made NBA money. He's made left-handed starting pitcher money. He's made quarterback money. I, I would guess he is in the top three or four all-time players in terms of money owned, not at the quarterback position. I mean, money earned in the NFL. My guess would be Larry Fitzgerald and Calvin Johnson are right there at the top in terms of the amount of money that he's made in his career. And maybe he doesn't have the same gene as as Steve Smith. I mean, different players are different. Some players, like a Barry Sanders, when they're not the very best in the game and he's been the very best – Maybe maybe he's not going to be a guy that has a long career and he retires at 32 and doesn't hang on as a good starter, but not a top you know two or three starter. If right. he's yeah, if he's agitated, I wouldn't have a problem with that because it's like Joe Thomas in Cleveland. You're this fantastic player that is quietly and without a lot of noise been on a terrible team for many many years and been their only star. And now they're telling you you might not be good enough for us. Please. What are the chances he's playing next year in the league? I think it's like 80, 90 percent. Ninety. I agree with it. Ninety-six <laughs> percent. All right. What are the chances if he does walk away? He he's a Hall of Fame. Oh, I think he's a Hall of Fame. Hundred percent. I think so. He's got to be. I think. Yeah. I oh, mean, unless you want to pull some other wide receivers out of the Hall of Fame. No, I think if a guy like Tim Brown makes it, who basically was really good for a long time, I I prefer best in the game for three or four years over really good for a long time. Right. And Calvin Johnson has been in the league what ten years. Yeah. I mean, it's not like it's been a short career. NFL is different than other sports. I mean, there's a lot of great NFL players that have retired at 30. Jim Brown, how old was he? I mean, it's just a different type of sport. All right. So that is the news. Before, though, we get to our game previews, Wes, um, you talked to us during the uh, right before the show, and you might have a tip that could help everybody (laughs) out there who is having problems sleeping at night because this is one of the I can't believe it. I might even try it. What are you doing to help your insomnia, Wes? So I normally fall asleep watching Netflix or Game Pass, which isn't really the healthiest way to fall asleep. And you know, I just I was watching uh, a, a documentary on Netflix <laughs> called Steak Revolution. It was about Kobe beef cattle in Japan, and they play Mozart for these cattle to calm them down. And I thought, all right, let me play Mozart on Spotify, and it works like a charm. Really? So how, I feel how so long much have you been doing relaxed. this for? Uh, started this week. Mm. 
That's so great. in this comparison, you're essentially the cattle. <laughs> the Kobe beef. Y- yes. I feel like that fits you. How does that end for the cow in the end? <laughs> Delicious. They Unsuspectingly, they take a prod to the head in their own knockdown. I mean, it's it's a if you consider how a cow dies in nature, getting stuck out in the snow, getting caught in a barbed wire fence, eaten by something, I think a, a, a quick shot to the head probably is a better way to go. <laughs> I asked Wes because I have, I woke up at 1 in the morning and had never, never fell back to sleep. But before I woke up, I had this terrifying dream where I was like trying to tap out some sort of around the NFL post that was due in like five minutes. And I hear like a, excuse me. And I look up and Rex Ryan. And I think <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in London of all places because that's where I was like interfacing with him. That's where you'd rather live too. Possibly. But he was like, I need to talk to you to a minute for a minute. And so I f- like got up and like put my laptop down and walked outside. And he's like, I have just read something that you've written about me. And it was something I had written last week about like him blathering on forever. And he's like, I am just so upset with you. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no. And like he goes, follow me. He goes, I'm just effing with you. He goes, let's go. And there was a rugby game down in a stadium. He's like, let's go watch this rugby game. And I'm trying to follow him and like other Bills assistance coaches. And then the dream ended. And I woke up and I was up for the rest of the night. That doesn't sound as disturbing as you said it was your worst dream you've ever had. Well, you know when you recount. That sounds fun. When you recount a dream. But oh, the immediate game thing. With Rex at the end, great. Well, the, when it started to get good, it ended. But the immediate part was he was furious at me. And it was like, I'm done. I'm gone. He's, I'm going to get fired. Greg's going to get upset. Well, Mark, I'm glad that you have patch things up with Rex (laughs) and Wes. I'm glad you're getting much more sleep now. So let's move on to our wild card games. I can't wait. I'm going to try it. You guys should too. And let us know how it works for you on Twitter. All right. Let's start off on Saturday in the AFC, the Chiefs and the Texans. Wes, you wrote this up and you coined it a slobber knocker, which is my favorite term. And you know what? Both defenses in this game, they're preparing to eat the heart of their opponent which one prevails? <laughs> wow. <laughs> the arc. I, I predicted a 13-12 to 12 Texans win. This was the hardest game for me to pick. I was watching game film all week for it, and when I watched the Texans film, I was like, all right, they're going to win. Then I watched the Chiefs film, and I was like, ah, Chiefs are probably a better team. Ended up settling on the Texans just because they play so well at home. Uh, and it, and I'm, not, I'm not sold on that pick whatsoever, but these are the two best defenses in the NFL since midseason. And, and the Texans – Wow. The better Texans, than the Seahawks, you think. Well, statistically, yes. they are. Statistically, yeah. the Texans yeah. are number one in every major category. If you could take a defense, though, for this weekend, you're stu- you, know, you have a game this weekend – and who do you want? Do you want the Seahawks? Do you want the Cardinals? I, or do you want one of I these? I wouldn't. Seahawks, what are, you, what are you talking about? It's they're, they're winning with offense. I know, but I'm saying. If well, what we, team are they playing? I'm these not saying. Teams. I'm just, I, not to cut you off. I'm just saying, if you're taking a team right now for this weekend, you you got to roll just with one defense. With a defense? And you're a coach. Do you want the Seahawks, the Texans, the Chiefs, the Cardinals? Like, who who do you think is the best defense? Interesting. I don't. I wouldn't even put the Seahawks in the discussion. I mean, the Seahawks are winning because they're scoring 35 points every week. Plus, the Chiefs' offensive line right now, they can't protect anything. So if you have J.J. Watt, Whitney Merciless, I mean, Alex Smith is going to have a really hard time. They can only run block. They cannot pass protect. Mm. So when you look at the two quarterbacks in this game and you have Marcus Peters on the other side, what do you think the matchup will be like here for Jeremy Macklin and Alex Smith going up against the Texans' defense? I, I don't love the matchup for the Chiefs. I don't love the matchup for either offense in this game. I think it's – I'd be surprised if either team scores more than 15 points in this game. 
Wow. I just – the I like defenses it. are Get so excited. good. And the offenses – I mean – We've said this before. The Texans' offense is smoke and mirrors and DeAndre Hopkins. That's all it is. They average Their running back trio is averaging 5.4 yards per carry over the last month, but they're doing it against bad defenses, and they've been shut down against teams like the Patriots. And the Chiefs, I mean, they're scoring, three, they're scoring 10 points against the Chargers. They're scoring only a few points against uh, a couple other teams. I, I don't love the Chiefs' offense right now. Greg said before the podcast that Alex Smith played two of his worst games of the season in the last two weeks. Right. That's that's the thing. Alex Smith getting a lot of credit right now, and he is you know one of if not the most valuable running back. I mean, running quarterback uh, in the AFC. I would say he's the most valuable in the AFC. I'd put him there. You know, he's a, maybe just with Cam Newton and uh, Russell Wilson in terms of the NFL. I mean, he gets those first downs. I give Andy Reid most of the credit here. It seems like every week, the first 15 plays, which is the big you know tradition in those West Coast offenses, they dial it up and they go right down the field. And they get a 14 nothing lead or something like that, and then they sit on it, and they, they don't do anything the rest of the game. Alex Smith threw two awful interceptions last week. He was one of the reasons that they were still – that game was remotely close – late in the week, he's not being protected very, very well. But I look at the tech, the Texans, and I think they're in even bigger uh, trouble. Uh, their offensive line's not playing particularly well, and that was with Dwayne Brown. And Brian Hoyer's faced a lot of pressure lately. And the difference is you got to now face Justin Houston, who's coming back this week. Sounds like D Ford's going to play. Sounds like Tamba Ali's going to play. And I think that pass rush group is just as good as the Texans. I mean, D Ford's been fantastic. I Listen, <clears throat> I hear you on Alex Smith because that trails back to a network hit that we did yesterday where we stuck up for Alex Smith as being more than a game manager this season. And last week was his worst game of the year by far. He's thrown four interceptions total since week 10. Two of them came last week. He's been pretty much mistake-free. And Cam Newton ran for, what, 78 yards on this Texans defense in week two? I think there's a little bit of a factor with a running quarterback. I'm not calling him – I don't think Alex Smith they is a are, running quarterback we, the same way that Russell's – They Russell's are – I do. They are a materially different defense than they are. I just think, week two. I don't think week two has any – they are so different from Halloween on. I, I don't even – I'm not saying they're the same defense, but the element of a quarterback that can get out of the pocket I think when, when you're not protected when you've well. When you got Merciless and Watt crashing from the outside, I think that's very true that the running that the quarterback can run through the middle possibly. The, only, the other thing is, you know, Macklin has made a difference. He's almost doubled his – Smith has almost doubled his throws to 20-plus yards this year. Now, it couldn't have gotten any worse than last year. So it's not that impressive. He has about 40 this season. But, I, I mean, they're a little bit more explosive. I can't believe that stat that Macklin only has one drop with 120 targets. He's so good. I think he only has two drops in the last two seasons. Alex Smith, he's been good in the postseason. I think he has nine touchdowns, zero interceptions, but he's never faced a defense like this. Plus their schedule – you know, everybody's talking about how they went from 1-5 and five to 11-5, and five, but that schedule was so easy, and the Texans' schedule was so easy, too, towards the end when they really started heating up. So it's really hard to really assess these two teams yeah, to see point. how they'll play against each other. I mean, some of the Houston defensive prowess of late where they're giving up six points in like 47 games is coming against the Jaguars, the Titans. It's not also just coming that. against the Saints and the Bengals. It is, and when they played New England, they got a bomb dropped on them. So, right. you know, it's not going to be an easy path. The New England game was also the week that J.J. Watt broke his hand. Whitney Merciless yep. has been the difference to me because to have another really great pass rusher with Watt just makes them so much more dangerous. Jadavian Clowney was playing really well. Maybe not always rushing the passer, but what added another dimension. He He's a big factor whether he can play. 
I looked it up while you were talking, uh, uh, Mark, to see who's had the most running value. According to QBR, Tyrod Taylor barely edged out Alex Smith for the most running value in the league. According to Pro Football Focus, they have Cam Newton, Tyrod, Russell Wilson, and then Alex Smith is fourth. So that's the that's the sort of company he's keeping. I think they have more offensive weapons, though. I mean, they have Kelsey. They have Macklin. They have Smith running. Uh, they don't, have a better running don't game. Don't sleep on Spencer Ware. Right. Averaging 5.6 yards per yeah. carry and has really quick feet for a big guy. I think the Chiefs are a significantly better team because I think they have more offensive weapons. And I think if you look at the defense as a whole – they're better. I think they've got different. I disagree with it. And they got difference makers up front, especially with Houston uh, coming back this week. Jay Howard's been playing great. The whole defensive line's great. Then they have difference makers in the middle, which I really don't think the Texans have. You're sleeping uh, on Bernardrick McKinney. He's been playing pretty well. Derek Johnson's playing great. Jonathan and then, Joseph should have been a Pro Bowler this year. Kevin Johnson's playing well. Their secondary's playing really well. Yeah. I, I, it's okay if we disagree. Yeah. I, I think that it's it's indisputable that the Chiefs' offense is better than the Texans. Yeah. But I think the Texans' defense is better. They have J.J. Watt, and the Chiefs don't. Which coach do you trust more of these two? I think it's close. Andy Reid, I would say. Bill O'Brien's been very impressive, but I go Reid. I mean, they've won a, they've won ten in a row. I, I think everyone's looking right past. I and I see why, but everyone just looks right past the Chiefs. I, I look past both of these teams. Yeah, yeah. That, that's true. And I I'm not saying it's Chiefs by a mile on defense. I I would give their secondary a little bit of an edge. The way Marcus Peters is playing and the depth there. You have Sean Smith. You have Eric Berry playing well. It's just they have numbers everywhere. I'm I'm not looking past the Chiefs. I think I think they'll win this game. And I and I think they'll have a chance to beat whoever they play in the next round. I I just think the Texans. O'Brien's done an amazing job. Yeah, yeah it's two getting, years in a row getting them to this point. And so has Reed. In, in a big spot like this, I almost trust O'Brien more because Andy Reid will throw in some game management. What, there's going to be a weird clock management it's issue? There's going to be clock management. No. or uh, I mean, he's a good, great coach overall, but there's always something. All right, so we are going to play a little bit of a game here. So, Wes, I have to ask you if you're ready for... What's more likely? I'm ready. All right, okay. let's do it. What's more likely? J.J. Watt and Whitney Merciless combined for at least four sacks on Alex Smith or the Chiefs' defense forces at least three turnovers from Brian Hoyer alone. <laughs> Ooh. Interesting. That's a complicated one. I'm going to go with the three turnovers, just sticking with, with my theme. Hoyer has played pretty well overall. He's definitely not made big mistakes. I think that's the best thing about him. So I think both of these are, are somewhat unlikely. Alex Smith gets rid of the ball so quickly, it's tough to sack him. Oh, uh, Alex Smith is one of the most sacked quarterbacks in the NFL. That's a fair point. Um, I'm just thinking, like, the quick drops, they get rid of it quickly. But either way, I'm going to take take the Chiefs' defense. I think they're ready uh, to show Jonathan Grimes and, you know, your boys on the Texans' offense that they're not really. I'm taking the Texans' duo here. I mean, they're, like, the best at this right now. I mean, when you look at the way that they're able to pass rush, the way that they're able to put pressure on quarterbacks, and the fact that that – Oh, the offensive line there in Kansas City is abomination. So I'm going with them. Yeah, this is a playoff game in Houston. This is a team that was written off by a lot of people early in the year. They're the hard knocks team. J.J. Watt has been either feeling it or slash completely posing all year long. He's going to get the job done. He's, he's going to get at least three sacks. I think Whitney gets the other one. I like how Greg's whipping boy for two years, Eric Fisher, is suddenly able to hold off J.J. Watt and Whitney Merciless. 
All right, so I'm taking the Chiefs in this game. <laughs> I know. it's. I feel like it's sort of a toss-up, though. I mean, though hearing this discussion, I may have changed my mind, but I think I'm going to stick with the Chiefs. Who are you taking? I, I have taken the Chiefs. Let's say – let's throw a score in for no reason at all, 23-13. to 13. I'm going Chiefs 17-16. to 16. Mm-hmm. Uh that's a tough one, but right down I, the middle it's, it's a, also a re. It's a, why is that down the middle? I no, picked I, a. I picked I, a winner. Joking. It was just as close as it could be. Greg is an outrageous, obnoxious individual at this point. <laughs> but uh, I'm going Chiefs, and I'll tell you what. It's tough. There's a lot of road teams that you have to pick this week if you think about it. I'm it's going one of them. Texans 13, Chiefs 12. The only touchdown of the game is going to be either a gadget play touchdown by Akeem Hunt, or a defensive. Wow. Touchdown. Wow. Pacific. All right. Moving on to the Steelers and the Bengals. It is the fifth annual West of Us. Everybody's excited about this. Four years running. This will be the fifth. And Marvin Lewis, he said it's time to right the ship. Then he mentioned something about exorcism. So after starting 8-0, the Bengals, they finished out the year 4-4. Now the only way to spoil Wes's favorite day of the year, the Bengals have to beat the Steelers. Mark, is this the year? It is, Wes, I am happy to announce it is not the year. Oh, yes. Wow. <laughs> not in my mind. Not in my mind. Although this game, this game, I feel bad for the Bengals because while A.J. McCarron is not a, necessarily a big downgrade from Andy Dalton, the, the, the team that went 8-0 is not the team that we're seeing right now on the field on offense. Uh, it is on defense, but I picked the Steelers to win uh, by a very slight margin, and it's tough. When these divisional games, if the other game's tough to pick, when you get a, a Steelers and Bengals team, two the teams that both have faults, I mean, really, the Steelers' secondary is a huge weakness and maybe one of the weakest groups of any of these playoff teams that we have this weekend. But can the Bengals take advantage of that with McCarron at quarterback? I think they're going to get their points, but I just trust in a game like this in January, two teams – Division rivals know each other so well. I understand that Big Ben has had his mistakes of late. A lot's been said of that. I think he's going to be a different guy this week. He's going to play good, and they're going to win. The big question for me, though, with Pittsburgh, for that to happen is the running game, with which with potentially no D'Angelo Williams, could put them in the same position they were in last year when they lost a playoff game to the Ravens. The Bengals, they've been really good at limiting Antonio Bryant or Antonio Brown. So yeah, when they you have, have Mar- Martavis Bryant that needs to step up and you don't have a running game, to me, that seems like the Bengals can really take advantage of that offense. I mean, I think when we talked about great defenses in the last segment, wh- why were the Bengals not mentioned? They're, they're the second lowest scoring defense in the league, only a tenth of a point behind the Seahawks. And it's not a fluke. They give up yardage. But they're not a team that, you know, they're not a bend but don't break defense either. They're extremely – they got three first-rounders in the secondary. I think that they can they can limit the Steelers. But it, for me, it comes down to mistakes. And it, I don't think that Big Ben's going to have one of these two or three interception games. Well, they tested that the last time they played. I thought it was one of the more impressive Roethlisberger games of the year in a sneaky way because they backed off. They prevented the big play, and he had to be patient and just move the ball down the field over and over on short passes, which is just not how the Steelers have had to operate all year. And he did it. They put up 33 points on the board. With that said, that that's a tough route to do that over and over again. And I think it does matter how the Bengals have matched up against Pittsburgh this year. This is when they had a running game back in November and then this last matchup. And Roethlisberger has one touchdown and four interceptions against the Bengals this year. So that I think that's, that's a legitimate... Uh, 
data point that the yeah. Bengals defense know at least how to slow them down because that's two games where they basically didn't hit any big plays. In one of those games, they only had 10 points, which you just don't see out of Pittsburgh. Come on. Stop. Doesn't that count? Yeah, sure it counts, but so people if, make too much of Ben Roethlisberger's interceptions this year. He attacks defenses like no other quarterback. But he if didn't he in that last window. He's taking it. And you're right, he didn't last game. Heath Miller it, had eight receptions by halftime last week. Right, last and he did he a great job. And they still won handily. Right, I thought it was they one of his best handily. games of the year because of it. It was also, you know, the game that Andy Dalton got hurt. So it's a, it's a tough game to kind of take too much out of because you just threw McCarron in, into it in the middle of and it. And the game before that, it's tough to take anything out of it because Big Ben rushed back from a leg injury and wasn't the same. So you can't take much out of that game either. Here's another data point on Ben Roethlisberger for you. 328.2 passing yards per game this season, the third most in NFL history. And that comes from taking those shots downfield. And you're right with Brown. He's not been the same these two games against the Bengals, but he's been on absolutely on fire of late. And what he had ten catches alone against the Browns last week in the first half, and I just I if you if he gets on if he gets free, this game could be over. How bad will it be if D'Angelo Williams can't go and they have Jordan Todman there and Fitzgerald Toussaint? Sixty oh, yeah. yards well, rushing on I don't the know. surface it looks terrible, but we this is. Fitz Tucson is a complete unknown. It's not a good sign when your starting running back is also like a New Orleans jazz musician. It's <laughs> 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 the out there on Bourbon Street. People throwing the quarters in the can. Greg with a fair point. Uh, that, is, that is. Thank you. All right. So, Mark, you have for us a. What's more likely? Okay. What is more likely? The Bengals lose in convincing fashion and Marvin Lewis retires within the week or A.J. McCarron throws four touchdowns and keeps his job over Dalton next week. Mm. Well, one implies that the Bengals are going to win a playoff game, so I'll take the other one. <laughs> <laughs> I had a feeling where you were going there. <laughs> there is no indication that Marvin Lewis would ever be retiring, so I don't care what happens. I mean, they didn't get rid of him after the year where he had the big power struggle with Mike Brown. They didn't get it after a couple of losing seasons. There's no reason to think that he would. Uh, they would get rid of him or he would quit after another playoff loss. So I'm going with McCarron, even though I don't really believe that would happen either. Because the thing we didn't talk about at all is McCarron is coming off his worst game. He was really hesitant uh, in that game against the Ravens. Whatever they showed him on defense was – like confusing his brain because he was wild. Which is weird because that hasn't happened all year, really. Right. He, he was really slow to make any decisions. He was like very amped up early in the game, throwing these fastballs and really didn't make a good throw the whole game. Uh, he, he didn't have a lot to do. They didn't, they kind of coached around. It didn't matter, but it worried me that he was so slow to make any decision. I need to know officially if you're going to back the Bengals in the playoffs for a third straight year. Mm. Well, we'll we'll do that when we go around and make oh, okay. our picks. I want to. You know, okay. I'm gonna say drama. I'm gonna go with McCarron in this one. Um, I don't really think he's going to throw four touchdowns. He's only thrown six. Um, but there's no way that Marvin Lewis retires. There's no way. And was it riding off in the sunset or just retiring? He's Either out. way, that wouldn't really be a sunset. It'd be more like El Nino showing up. An apocalyptic that, that is, sunset. That is very true. <laughs> Wes. Oh, I already said mine. All right. Uh, the one Perfect. implies the Bengals are going to win a playoff game, and that's not happening. Well, um, Marvin Lewis is an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I am going to ruin West of us, and I'm going to take the Bengals in this game. I know it's not a popular choice. They haven't won a playoff game since 1990. Mm. 
but I'm taking them anyway. Greg. I'm going to take the Bengals as well. Whoa! Just for the heck of it. Just because everyone is taking the Steelers. This is my second favorite tradition behind West yeah, Coast. Too Greg many, picking the Bengals. Too many January. road favorites this week. All the, all the favorites are uh, the road teams. You know, we didn't even mention – the Bengals just have so many good players. Can some of them just step up? I mean, Geno Atkins, Carlos Dunlap, Mo Jones, uh, A.J. Green, Giovanni Bernard, Jeremy Hill. Make it so that A.J. McCarron doesn't have to do that much. These guys just play the best games of their life. They're so overdue to just win one of these. This is Marvin Lewis's seventh playoff game. That is an outrageous number to lose every single one of them so it's just and they end. lose by an average of 13 points per game in the playoffs oh the Bengals have only allowed three touchdowns over the last six weeks yeah there I mean their go. defense is legit and like Dunlap and I mean the two at their defensive line is second behind the perfect Texans. perfect yeah. playing well who knows things just you gotta, gotta credit a team for shutting down Ryan Mal. I hope I'm wrong too because I just my my Patriots Mark uh, who you taking I'm with I'm with Wes I have the Steelers winning 21-20. will not be a game where people look shamefully on the Bengals, though. They will battle. I think the Bengals will battle. People have made way too much of the Steelers' last two games. This idea that the Browns played them close is totally false. The Steelers dominated that game. The Ravens game, Antonio Brown loses a touchdown to the catch roll. Martavis Bryant loses a touchdown to a defensive pass interference penalty. On the last drive of the game, Martavis Bryant comes up just shy of a really deep ball that would have put the Steelers in position to win the game. All of these plays are plays they've made all year, and I expect them to make them. I go Steelers 30, Bengals 23. All right, let's move on to the NFC games on Sunday. First up, we have the Seahawks and the Vikings. For the fourth straight year, the Seahawks are in the playoffs, winning eight of their last ten, including last week's drubbing of the Arizona Cardinals. Now they face the NFC North champion Vikings, who host a playoff game for the first time in nine years. It's going to be like zero degrees. Greg, is this the worst possible scenario for Minnesota? No, because they shouldn't be ashamed to lose to the best franchise in the NFL over the last four years and this Seahawks team I really believe is as good this year at this moment as they were when they won the Super Bowl and when they were one play away from winning the Super Bowl and even the 2012 team which I think was good enough to win the Super Bowl if if a few things broke a little differently that's how good this team is it's a little different because as Wes said it's the offense now that's a top three or five offense but where I uh, disagree with you Wes is the Seahawks' defense would be the defense I took if I could pick one for the playoffs. Because I know they haven't been the best all season, but they still have the best players and the best scheme, and they've done it, and they've shown us enough this year. Uh, you know, Frank Clark, for instance, has been stepping up. The pass rush, I think, is better than ever. That I just think this this could be the best team in the NFL, and I don't think this game is going to be that fun to watch because of it. Well, we saw back in week 13, 38 to 7, but that game, Minnesota had a lot of guys out on defense, so they're getting a lot of these guys back. I feel like it'll be a little bit different. It's not going to be such a shootout. It was only a shootout on one side for the for the week 13 game. Well, I think that's a fair point, but I think even bigger factor is I I think that a minus 10 or 15 degree wind chill changes a lot. That's true. It really affects the game. David Carr said while we were over in the studio that Players just move a lot more slowly when it's that cold. That could be a big factor. But I think the Seahawks team is plus 119 in point differential in the second half of the season, which is outrageous. They've beaten their last three playoff opponents by an average score of 38 to 14. (laughs) Russell Wilson in the pocket over the last seven games has a 145 passer rating in the pocket. Mm. 
He's been the best quarterback in the NFL over the second half of the season. That's why they're so different than last year's Seahawks team. I, f- I feel like they've done it without Marshawn Lynch, and they've done it with a collection of backs, suddenly Kristen Michael. You know, they spread out wide receivers, and Kristen Michael blasts up the middle for 45 yards. Last week was one of the first weeks watching Game Pass where they cut over to Bruce Arians on the sidelines, and he just looked baffled. He looked confused and upset, and they out-cardinaled the Cardinals last week. I thought they used all their players, and what they did really was also, I thought with field position, with Tyler Lockett, if he breaks one or two of these returns and puts them up and you know to go 35, 40 yards for a touchdown, you get up by 10 points on the Vikings. I don't understand how Minnesota crawls back into this game. Well, he's, he's what they wanted Percy Harvin to be. He is that guy already. That's, that's what... That's why they're a great organization. They had a big swing and miss. They went for a home run, and they blew it with Harvin, and they quickly cut bait on it. And then what happens just a year later, they drafted – I'm not saying he's as, as physical as Percy Harvin, but they have a ve- he's a very good deep threat. He's already developed more as a receiver than they ever expected as a, as a rookie. And he has reached that Harvin-Hester-type mode now that every time he catches a return – you want to watch it because you're thinking, is he going to break this one? Is he going to get them in, in great field position? He's a lot of fun to watch. And you look at Doug Baldwin, what he's been able to do, 11 of his 14 touchdown catches over the last six weeks. Him and uh, Russell Wilson just have something special going on. Plus, if you have Marshawn Lynch back in that weather, you're going to be running the ball. So it really could actually be Adrian Peterson running the ball, Marshawn Lynch running the ball, and we'll really see what could happen between those two. Yeah, I mean, I realize that Lynch was rehabbing, so it's not like he was resting and getting you know necessarily stronger. So we have to see what sort of condition he's in, and it's not a, a pristine opening scenario for him to come in and play in negative 10 degrees. That's sort of a nightmare for anyone. But really, it doesn't hurt that he's not had to take a beating for seven or eight weeks either. Daryl Bevel was asked yesterday, their offensive coordinator, if Marshawn Lynch would be ready for 20 to 25 carries, and Bevel said if he's playing – I expect him to go full go, full yeah. speed. He'll be ready for that. Bevel, by the way, has done a great job in the second half of the season. He's a guy that's gotten picked on a lot, certainly after the Super Bowl. By but, Marshawn Lynch's mom? But, but they've been they've been an offense that <laughs> teams don't know what's coming. You said it. Bruce Arians was, was confused. If we were going to try to make the case for the Vikings to be close, I mean, the weather, you're right, is – is a factor. If it, I mean, that's exactly what the Vikings want because they they play 1970s Vikings style football more than any team in the league. I mean, the passing game is so de-emphasized with them. E- even when they're going well, it's not the reason why they're winning. And you could look at the if you were the Vikings, you could at least look at the Rams game and think Rams Seahawks game and think maybe Robeson and Joseph and Floyd and Everson Griffin and Anthony Barr, maybe they could dominate the, the Seahawks offensive line enough up front that it just keeps the game close and it keeps the game kind of on the ground and the best running back wins, and maybe that running back is Adrian Peterson. If you're yeah, the Vikings, I n- I that's noticed, the case you would make. I noticed that Teddy Bridgewater didn't come out of your mouth there. I said they were de-emphasized as much as possible. I was, w- yeah. I was <laughs> waiting for you, so go ahead on Teddy. He, I mean, come on, last week, The three biggest plays the Vikings had in that game were a fumble return, a kickoff return, and a fake punt. None of them involved the offense or Teddy Bridgewater. Against top five defenses this season, they've been outscored 84-47. to I don't trust their quarterback one bit. Plus, he's been sacked 24 times over the last eight games. 
Mm. And I keep hearing um, about him having small hands in cold weather. This is a thing. Oh, my apparently, gosh. Got a big glove, though. <laughs> All right. So I am going to give you guys a... What's more likely? All right. Marshawn Lynch will have more yards rushing than Teddy Bridgewater has passing. Or Mike Wallace has more catches than Sunday's high temperature in Minneapolis. <laughs> Wait. Can you repeat that? <laughs> wow. Okay. That's a good one. Okay. Marshawn Lynch will have more yards rushing than Teddy Bridgewater has passing. Okay. Or Mike Wallace has more catches than Sunday's high temperature in Minneapolis. Does the wind chill count? No. It's let's just say the regular temperature. Let's well, just can't have negative catches. Let's say <laughs> you never Penny? know. Mike Wallace especially. <laughs> let's say the temperature is going to be one. Yeah, well, I'm going to go Wallace because of that. I'm going to bet on a really <laughs> low uh, temperature, you know, two or three degrees, and uh, maybe Mike Wallace – well, one degree and or no degrees, and Mike Wallace catches one pass. So I don't know. I mean, Wallace has had three catches twice since week eight and every other week less. Oh, my gosh. So <laughs> if it gets up <laughs> to three degrees, you're in trouble there, Greg. Yeah, what if El Nino pushes to the Midwest for a little bit and you raise up the temperature to, like, mm-hmm. four degrees? I'm going to go Lynch. Over. <laughs> I'm going to go Lynch with more ground yards than Teddy passing because there's been a ton of games where the, where the Vikings seem to win even, and they'll have 98 yards through the air. And I think that they're going to completely, as Greg said, de-emphasize Teddy Bridgewater this game. And Lynch, you know, it fits the narrative of something that we'll be writing about all next week. He comes back out of nowhere and runs for 137 yards, 150 yards, and two touchdowns. I mean, that's not Teddy Bridgewater is not Joe Webb. That's the last quarterback that started for a Vikings game. And I know he only had 99 yards last week, but that's pretty rare. I think that's the only time I'm looking. It's telling you, it may, you probably took the, 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 the better side of it yeah, with Mike telling Wallace. that this question is so hard to add, answer. <laughs> <laughs> because it's ridiculous. Totally I mean, ridiculous. It's, I, I think it's a great question. but it's, here's, here's a mind-blowing stat. Russell Wilson's passer rating is 33.7 points higher without Russell Lynch in the lineup. It's actually 22 points higher without, without Jimmy. Marshawn Lynch. Oh, yeah, without without Marshawn Lynch. Actually, 22 points higher without Jimmy Graham. Wow. But I don't think they need, I don't think they need Marshawn Lynch to win. Uh, I'm going to go Wallace just because <laughs> all he needs is one catch. <laughs> Plus, the Vikings defensive line, they haven't been that great against the run, especially if Limbaugh Joseph is not going to be in there and healthy. Then, yeah, I think Marshawn Lynch has a shot there. Mm. All right, let's, uh, let's do picks here. Please. I'm taking um, Seattle. I think we all are. Yeah, I'm taking Seattle, thirty to ten. I'll go Seattle, twenty-three, twenty. I think the Vikings are going to give a bigger fight than people think. I went when I wrote the prediction on the site. I went Seattle twenty-seven seventeen. But for the benefit of our subreddit fans, I'm going to say Seahawks forty-nine, <laughs> Vikings two. 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 I think it counts for <laughs> wow. on, in, online, doesn't it? At right. I'm right. just needing a little credit. Yeah. Wow. All right. Let's move on to the final game on Sunday, the Packers and the Redskins. The Green Bay Packers have lost two straight. The defense has to get the offense out of jams, which is not a great scenario at all, and they'll have to do it against Kirk Cousins and the Redskins. All right. The same Redskins team who ooze confidence but have yet to beat a team with a winning record. Greg, will Kirk Cousins be playing more January football than Aaron Rodgers? Well, you will, we'll have to wait for the big picks Ooh. at the end. But it is amazing that the only home favorite this weekend is a team quarterbacked by Kirk Cousins 
against the two-time MVP. Now, they're barely favored. It's a point. Uh, but I think a lot of people look at these two teams, and if you just you know, throw out the uniforms that the Packers wear, if they put on a bunch of Texans uniforms and you put Hoyer on the back of Aaron Rodgers' jersey, like how would the people be talking about this team going into the playoffs? They'd be talking about them as by far the worst playoff team out of the 12 and one of the worst teams to enter the playoffs in a little while because it's been a long time since the offense was halfway decent, and yet we just see we see the uniforms, we see a fairly good defense, we see Aaron Rodgers, and we just figure, I don't know, maybe they'll snap out of it. This is also going to be a cold game, so James Jones will probably be wearing some type of parka. Play. I am tired of that hoodie so. thing he wears. <laughs> it's not interesting anymore. He, look, if there's one guy who doesn't need a drag on his speed, it's James Jones. <laughs> All right, so do you think the Redskins, though, have enough ability to get in Rodgers' face? Because if you look at that offensive line, that's been a mess, too. It's just been a revolving door of guys in there. I actually I was encouraged by their offensive line's performance in the season finale. I didn't think that their line was the biggest problem. Which the week before, it was atrocious at Arizona. So to me, I was actually a little bit encouraged when I watched that game that their line – was not beat up. Brian Balaga was back, so they were in better shape. But, yeah, I do think the Redskins can get some pressure because Rodgers is the most hit quarterback since the start of October. I look at this Redskins offense, and, you know, it's, it reminds me, and I'm not calling this next year's great team, but the way that the Panthers played down the stretch last year and overcame a bad start, and they were a different team at the end of the year than they were early on, and it transferred into the next season, I think the Redskins are starting to put it together and get some mojo, and, it, and I do believe in Kirk Cousins. I'm not calling him Aaron Rodgers, but in terms of perceptions, it's almost like we don't want to really acknowledge that Kirk Cousins is doing what he's doing right now, and we don't want to acknowledge that Aaron Rodgers is part of the offense he's part of. But really, we, you guys have been acknowledging it before even. No, I guess well. it's it's just I think the idea that, oh, well, you know, hold on. Green Bay is going to finally just put 44 points on the board. I think in the room we don't think that, right? I mean, it's just not going to happen. Wow. The, and the public doesn't either. Not that we should be talking too much about uh, point spreads. But the Packers started out as a favorite, and everyone just looks at, at the Redskins and think they're playing way better, and everyone is taking, taking the Redskins in this game be, because of what we've seen. There's no reason to think – that the, the Packers, and I always think offense wins in the playoffs, not defense, which seems to be the stereotype. I, I'd always take the better offense, and there's no doubt the Redskins have the best offensive players uh, in this game. The, the, the guy's playing the best right now, and that's Jordan Reed. That's you know Deshaun Jackson. That's Pierre Garçon. That's Cousins. It's, it's the whole group, you know, a, as a group. Their offense yeah. is a much more viable offense than the Packers. Like, what a time to be alive that this is happening. <laughs> but I think Richard Rodgers, his – slightly unathletic lunge into the pylon last week <laughs> should be like the the opening video for the Packers season because it's so symbolic that they have the slowest collection of wide receiver tight end talent in the NFL and it's the number one problem with this offense. I like who Greg put Mike McCarthy as the guy under pressure for this game because I, where where everyone was, it, it was, was easy Connor. To, Let's get it was. Oh, was it Connor? Connor? I thought you wrote this. Well, never a bad thing to give Greg credit for something. <laughs> uh, so let's just go down that road. Especially nice job, you, Connor. Especially after you pointed out how obnoxious I was. <laughs> well, you're not obnoxious. You're a friend. Um, anyways, where was I? But no, Mike McCarthy. Because I just feel like the Packers. They don't seem to have. And I know this is 
this maybe doesn't translate to the game itself, but the Redskins are just feeling it right now. They seem to have a kind of an us-against-the-world thing where they love the fact that everyone's rooting against them and feels like they're a nothing team. And the Packers, to me, last week, that Vikings game, boring. There's just not a lot going on with this offense. And, and Mike McCarthy taking over the play calling was supposed to flip the switch. Same with Eddie Lacy getting healthy and getting unfat at the end of the year. But nothing's really done it. He, well, Aaron Rodgers, it's just like I, he doesn't have – he doesn't trust his receivers, which I can't blame him for that. But I feel like he, at the beginning of the season, had to extend so many plays because nobody was open and nothing was happening. And now he's almost continued to do that. And so it's really hurt him – because he feels so much pressure, and I think he still feels pressure when pressure isn't even there. He, here's the argument for the Packers, and I, I think they have a good chance to win this game, is that you're right. They're having to improvise a lot, and they're having to, you know, not nothing is happening in the structure of their offense where it's just good timing. I mean, the Redskins' defense is not a particularly good defense. It's a below-average defense. Over the course of the season, they're, they're 21st in football outsiders uh, metric. They don't really scare you with their pass rush overall. They're not a particularly great secondary. I don't think they're terrible, but they're below average. And I think this is a team where maybe Rodgers can get some time and he can bring back a little bit of that September magic where he was just making incredible individual plays. And maybe you don't need to have a perfect offense to work against what's ultimately a pretty vanilla Redskins defense. If you're going to take a defense in this game, I think you have to take the Packers. I mean, they're playing better on defense. Mike Neal's playing well. Mike Daniels. Overall, I think the Packers are are a much better defense than Washington. Redskins lost Keyshawn Jarrett. That doesn't help. They have Kerry Williams potentially in the lineup. How about that? How about Kerry Williams know. back? <laughs> that's not, that's going to be great news for Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Old Sconces back there. <laughs> Sconces. <laughs> Look, you know, everybody's hand-wringing about the Packers. You wouldn't know that they had outgained the Vikings by over 100 yards last week. Yeah. For all of the doom and gloom. Well, how many yards did the Vikings have? 242, which speaks to your point or Greg's point about the Packers' defense playing pretty well. They completely shut down Teddy Bridgewater in that game. But I think, give the I don't know, the Packers have at least played good teams. The Redskins, it's not – I mean, it's a fair point that they haven't beaten a single good team all year. I do wonder they're, – they're, I think they're a good team from ahead. Like, I do wonder what, what's going to happen if if the defense, the Packers' defense does make a play earlier and the Packers can get a lead. And that's a team with a lot of experience in the playoffs that's won a lot of playoff games in this tenure. Like, how are the Redskins going to respond? Are they going to be a team that can come from behind in, in the pressure of the playoffs? Yeah, I think the Redskins, though, I mean, it's they're not beating – you know, great teams, but they're also hammering them on offense with like 30, yep. 40 points a game. And it's like, it's been what? They're averaging about 32 points a game over the last month. And they just seem like they're in a rhythm. I like any team going into the playoffs where their offense is singing the way the Washington is right now. I, I, they're at home. I think this is, an, this is a big opportunity for from the coach on down, and I'm going Redskins. All, All right, right, Greg. Let's play one more let's do it. game. America's What's favorite game. What's more likely, Kirk Cousins has a mental meltdown with three turnovers or Mike McCarthy loses his job Ooh. after an ugly loss? This one's tough. There does seem to be some kind of rumbling coming out of Green Bay that there's a disconnect between McCarthy and Rodgers and that Rodgers' head isn't all the way in the game because he kind of is tired of McCarthy. 
Hmm. I don't know. I'm gonna take Kirk Cousins. I I just you I, like that. I feel you like, like that. <laughs> I do like that. I feel like Jordy Nelson not being there this year has unraveled everything, and the fact that that Aaron Rodgers doesn't have that trust and that nobody's open and everybody's dropping things when they do catch a ball. I don't think that they can totally blame that on McCarthy. So I'm going to take Kirk Cousins. I think both these scenarios are really far-fetched, uh, you know, the way Cousins has been playing. But I would go with Cousins. You know, Mike McCarthy coached the top offense in the league last year, and they really should have been in the Super Bowl. And I just think that the history that he has with that team, it's tough for me to see these rumors coming true. Yeah, because I, I, I don't – I'll go Cousins because I – simply because if Mike McCarthy is fired – then the Packers have to go try to find a coach out there that they know is better than Mike McCarthy, where Mike McCarthy would become the number one coaching candidate out there for everyone other, every other team. So it's a, weird, it's a weird time to do that, and McCarthy cannot be blamed for everything that's happening. I'm going Cousins, although he's not throwing three picks. I'll go Cousins. I think Mark and I have said all year he's a quality quarterback. Doesn't mean we think he's a great quarterback. He's a quality quarterback. He also has shown tendencies in the past to melt down. All right, I am taking the Redskins in this game. Kirk Cousins will throw one pick, hmm. so maybe just a mini meltdown. Score? Score 28-14. I will take the Packers. I think it's going to be a defensive type of game, 17-13. A lot of running. You know, kind of an ugly game. Man, Mark's going to like this one. He likes the low I like games game. like that. I thought we got that with Houston Chiefs. That might be enough of that, but <laughs> um, I'll go Redskins. 29, Packers, 14. Wow. The one Ooh. blowout of the weekend from Sessler. Not blowout, but, you know, safe win. I was like slightly on the Redskins side uh, on Monday. Now I'm slightly on the Packers side after watching some film. I just don't think the Packers are as terrible as everyone thinks they are right now. Okay. And you'll hear a lot of, of analysts this week and during the games say that how good you are in December means everything. And honestly – Every stat we have, every ounce of research says it doesn't. That it doesn't matter where you're hot or cold in December going into January. The teams that are on a two-game losing streak play just as well as the teams on a two-game winning streak. I'm going to pick the Packers to win 24-21. All right. So that is it for our previews. I'm glad that you guys all survived El Nino so far. Yeah, and I'm glad. But it's uh, one piece. <laughs> it's true. It's been raining just crazy here in LA people just losing their minds yeah nobody knows how to drive nobody knows what to do I just hope that Dan Hansis uh, can survive uh, the Dirk Cotter like power play going on here by Colleen Wolf my favorite thing about the <laughs> rain I just have to say just get this out there there's my favorite place down the street is this acai bowl place I went down mm. there oh yeah I had a sign on the door that said sorry we've closed for our rainy day hours we're closing at 11. Rainy day <laughs> hours. Well, shocking that an acai place has rainy day hours. Like Way LA to tough it up, acai. Shuts that's, that's what LA, L.A. can't have snow days, so they have rain days. Well, it is totally absurd. Half our audience listening to this must think we are just non-humans to think this is weather. Speaking yeah. of our audience, Sydney, I think you would be doing a disservice to them if you didn't at least do one Dan Hans' Lovey Smith hot butt drop today. Uh, oh, that's a good point. Oh, yeah. Stand by. <laughs> Way to just like throw it at her, Wes. Hey, she's good. I thought, you know, I think she can handle it. I think we should all take a moment to think about Dan while we wait for that drop. Mm. I'm sure he's 
on I a beach. I do want to point out that it was almost like prophetic that I used that as my news. Someone pointed that out on yeah. Twitter. Yeah. yeah. You don't even have to point so it. So I've kind of like peaked, I think. I don't know if it gets it, better from here. It's to Dan's <laughs> credit, the, the minute I saw the news, like the first thing that popped in my mind was just that hot, well, that, that sound. That's Levy Smith's hot butt. <laughs> <laughs> Stoking the fires. All right. Well, guys, this has been real. So um, that is it. Everybody enjoy the games. A big weekend full of games. That is that. You guys will be back on Sunday, right? That's Sunday. right. Sunday night. Sunday night. Sunday night. All the action. What a day. I'm Colleen Wolf for Quiet Storm, the mailman, the boss. Everybody here. Thanks. here make sure you check out the latest Dave Damashek football program it's the wild card round edition with our pal AJ Hawk we're telling you who's winning all four wild card games check it out on iTunes you go into your shower feeling tired but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring your day immediately gets better that crisp fresh unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses so when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. Com.com slash compatibility.